the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that, when it had been, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And Jesus called to them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed Jesus. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise I invite you all to be seated. So we, we start off with a stressful moment for Jesus. John had been arrested. Now, I don't want you all to feel too, too much of a spoiler for this, but it doesn't end well for John. John ends up being beheaded, and uh, that's another story. But this event of John's arrest is a big moment for Jesus because remember, Jesus and John were cousins. Jesus began by kind of stepping into John's ministry. Jesus began just last week, remember, we talked about the baptism of Jesus and how John said that I shouldn't be baptizing, or you, I shouldn't be baptizing you, but you should be baptizing me. You know, this was a big moment for Jesus because John is someone who Jesus respected. John was, remember, not just some kind of backwater preacher, but John was someone that people came from all over the countryside to see. This was someone who was a popular preacher and teacher. And remember, this was a time without cars. This was an area without air conditioning. This was a place where if you're going to go a couple miles, it takes effort. And also, it's not like they had ice packs to carry really nice little sandwiches that they made and bought at the store. This was a place where if you had to travel, it took some real preparation or else you're going to find yourself in trouble really quickly because you're much more vulnerable to the elements when you don't have cars and air conditioners and refrigerators and all the things that we've come to really appreciate that allow us to travel long. They didn't even have a 7-Eleven anywhere nearby, you know? And so we, we've come to rely on these things to be able to take last-minute trips. And so in order to go to church in this way, you know, they had to choose to give up a, a significant portion of their day or maybe a couple of days to travel there and back. So when we say that people traveled from all over the surrounding areas to see John preach, it was, it was not just something that you decide in the morning, let's do this tomorrow. It's something that you've prepared for, right? So when I, when I say this, it's also to say that when, when Jesus finds himself stepping into this ministry and, and sort of taking on the mantle that John the Baptist had, had taken on, and Jesus is taking over the ministries that John had prepared for him. 
and Jesus hears that John has been arrested. John was someone who I think, and I don't know because it doesn't really talk about what their personal relationships were other than that they were related and Jesus was baptized by him. But it says to me that this is someone who probably is important in the life of faith of Jesus. We, we think about Jesus so often in the context of Jesus' identity as the Son of God. And, and I do think that there's a certain amount of, I don't know how to describe it, like maturity or knowledge or faithfulness or ability to, to be able to discern maybe more clearly what God wants out of him than I'm able to discern sometimes what God wants out of me. I think in this moment, one of the really important things to remember about Jesus in relationship to John is that Jesus is also the son of Mary. You know, Jesus isn't just son of God, fully divine. Jesus is also son of Mary, fully human. And so this is a moment of great personal stakes and maybe crisis and sadness for Jesus as someone who's been an important teacher in his own faith is all of a sudden at the beginning of his persecution under Herod. So it's a, it's a moment of, I think, discernment for Jesus as he's trying to figure out, well, what next? We also see in this moment for Jesus something that is very important for us to recognize. Jesus doesn't just go off into a corner and, and stay by himself. Jesus doesn't just say, well, I guess I'm going to go out and start preaching and teaching by myself because now I'm the preacher, right? The, the first things that Jesus does in all four Gospels, when, when he t begins to assume this role of ministry, this role of preacher, this role of teacher, this role as rabbi, is begin to gather the disciples around him. And I, I don't think it's just so that he can have a bunch of little mini Jesus clones running around because we see throughout all four Gospels that especially early on in the ministry of Jesus, the disciples weren't this mature group of, of teachers and preachers and, and miracle workers. They were a group of novices that were trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, what it, what it means to be people who are going to become what they become, even before they can imagine being the pillars of the church that's now gone on for 2,000 years. You know, these are like seminary students, college students in terms of being leaders in the faith. These are people who are still trying to figure out who am I, what am I about, what does all this mean, who continue to ask, even in the resurrection accounts, what does this mean for us when they're locked in a room because they're afraid of the people who killed Jesus were going to come and kill them as well? It's not until later in Acts that we see the disciples in their maturity brave enough to stand up and face the very people and the very authorities who murdered Jesus on the cross and be willing to submit their very lives to this calling that Jesus had given them just a few years before. And I think this is so important in part because it gives us a context for what this period of ministry for Jesus is like. And, and I think there's another piece of important context here is where, that little tagline at the end that says, you know, and Jesus went around and preaching and teaching and healing the sick. Well, remember, the sick had to get there somehow to Jesus. And we find out shortly in Matthew that the sick included people who had handicaps, people who had leprosy. And, and also, this is 
Matthew chapter 4, and it's not so long in Matthew before we get one of the, the famous sermons where Jesus says, blessed are those. And, and so when Jesus says things like, you know, blessed are you who, who are hungry now, or blessed are you who suffer, or blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, remember that these people who are gathered around Jesus aren't people who were able to just walk under their own power and get there easily. These are also people for whom it took great effort to get to Jesus because in Jesus they see hope. In Jesus they see healing. In Jesus they see some sort of wholeness that isn't present in the rest of their lives. In Jesus they see something that, I don't know if it's something that might change, but certainly something in Jesus causes them to make the great effort to get to where he is, to seek healing and peace and, and hear whatever it was that he had to say. And so when Jesus is talking to the crowds about healing and hope in the midst of suffering, and when Jesus is talking to the crowds about being grown in our faith through suffering and persecution, he was talking also to a group of people who didn't have pain medication, right? You know, if I have a headache, I can take a Tylenol and I feel a little bit better in a little while, but these are the people who are stuck in the things that they're suffering with. And so any relief is welcome. We, we see this conversation that, 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 the, that the writer of Matthew is having with us as he's describing the situation, describing what the beginning of Jesus' ministry is, and even though the time and the place and the people and the situation feels drastically different for us when we think about all our modern conveniences and the ability we have to get around and the ability we have to communicate, you know, and I, it was a brilliant thing to, to point out that the word call meant something different because they didn't have telephones. But even though the, the technological context is different, the human context is so, so much the same. Because I think a lot of us come to Jesus looking for hope that maybe something can be different. I think a lot of us come to Jesus for healing because there's something within us that's burning and hurting and painful, and we just haven't found that thing to comfort it. A lot of us come to Jesus to, to hear that word that Isaiah talks about, the people who have walked in darkness will have seen a great light, and it's in a place that's not in the center of Jesus' own culture, but it's in places where Jesus encounters strangers. It's in places where Jesus encounters people who didn't necessarily grow up hearing the teachings of the Jewish temple. Even though Matthew very much paints Jesus in the light of someone who is focused primarily on the people of the Jewish faith, it's interesting that this little snippet in Matthew takes place among the people who didn't belong to his community. So many people over the thousands of years have turned to Jesus because there's something in Jesus that speaks to that deep place within us that needs so much to see the light because those things that we see in the dark take their own shape according to, their, according to our fears, don't they? They, they take their own shape according to, their, to our anxieties. They, they take their own shape according to what our pain happens to be in that moment. But when the light comes on, all of a sudden we're able to see them for what they are. And most of what we're able to see 
isn't anywhere near as frightening as what we might have imagined. We, we hear in this gospel text, you know, this, this message of these people who go to Jesus for hope. And then, you know, you, you fast forward a few years and we get to the Corinthians passage where, where Paul says something, and I've been thinking about this this week. Somebody sent me an email saying, it makes me so crazy to hear people talk about other denominations about them being bad. You know, they talk about the Baptists and they talk about the Missouri. Not that I ever do this, but, you know, imagine a world where this might happen, you know. Or they, they talk about the different kinds of Lutherans. When, and it was pointed out that we come from an awful lot of religious backgrounds here at LCOR. You know, we have people who came from all kinds of different places, whether it's no religious background or Pentecostal backgrounds or Baptist backgrounds or the default New England lapsed Catholic background. You know, we we come from all sorts of different places. And Paul says something that is really important for us today as we live in a culture that divides itself into so many tiny pieces. You know, I'm so glad that I didn't baptize any of you. And then he goes on to name the people he baptized because that's just kind of how Paul is. He's a pastor, right? But he says, I'm so glad I didn't baptize and I'll amend that to many of you because then you can't go around and say, well, Paul baptized me and so that makes my baptism better. But, you know, there's also those other, other people and, you know, we can, we can name pastors in this con- congregation. You know, I was, I was baptized by Schulhaus or I was baptized by Schlack or... I, I'm proud to say a couple people can say I was baptized by a wolf, right? But, but they're not disciples of Schulhaus or Schlack or Wolf. We're disciples of Jesus. No matter what label we put on the way we follow Jesus, we all come looking for the same thing. We're, we're looking for that space and that healing and that hope that tells us that there is something different than what this world has to offer. There is something different than what our fears tell us to expect. There, there is something different than those things that tell us we don't deserve a whole lot, tell us we deserve. Because in the waters of baptism and through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we, like Peter, are called to leave behind those pieces of our identity that might hold us back. We, like the disciples who were fishing, are called to leave behind those parts of our vocation that don't necessarily fit in with who we're called to be as people who follow Jesus. Because whenever we choose to follow anybody, we're choosing to leave other things behind. And that's law and gospel right there. The gospel is we've been called into something new, something beautiful, something brilliant, something eternal. And the law is answering that calling means leaving behind some of the things that might hold us back. This week as we go out from this place, I'd like to challenge you to think of two things. What, what are the things that you are being called into that you're called to choose with, with great joy and hope? And also, what are those things that you're being called to opt out of? What are the things that you're being called to choose to leave behind? that might be holding you back from embracing that new hope, from embracing this new family, from embracing this love of God into which we're called. Because none of us are able to do everything. None of us are able to choose everything. At some point, we do have to figure out who it is that we are in this new life that we've been given through the waters of baptism. 
And thanks be to God that what we have been given to choose is something that gives us life. Amen.